It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. Welcome into the program. And I'm going to do something to start off the show today that I don't normally do, but I can't sit by and let Phil put out misinformation like that we need to have the record set straight. And, and 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 I wish I had been here early enough to just come running into the studio to argue with him the moment that he said it. But I wasn't here yet, so I, I, I let him know before I came in. This is not a blindside attack on the air. I let him know before he came in. But what he told you is wrong. The best corned beef is made not at a low, slow heat. It's made in the Instant Pot. I learned that lesson a few years ago. I will never go back. The Instant Pot is the way to go. And for those of you who haven't used an Instant Pot, I recommend getting one. They're cheap enough now. You can get them for like, I think I got mine for like 30 bucks. And that was a couple years ago. But the corned beef, uh, granted, yes, he's absolutely right. You don't want to cook it at a high heat. You don't want to cook it by putting it in boiling water. He's absolutely right. But if you want to have it, because why would you put it in high heat? Because you're in a hurry, right? You don't want to spend that extra time for it to come to a boil. But with the Instant Pot, you can have your entire... Corned beef and cabbage dinner, I swear to you, in about 90 minutes. I didn't believe it either. I didn't believe it either. It was a couple years ago. I was home. I think St. Patrick's Day was a Sunday that year. You know what? It was 2020. That's when it was. It was 2020. I was home because I think we were all home. St. Patrick's Day of 2020. And I didn't get the ingredients to make a boiled dinner at home, a corned beef and cabbage dinner at home. I was going to go somewhere for it, but of course, it was St. Patrick's Day 2020. The world was weird. So I was like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to get a corned beef and cabbage dinner. Well, now I've screwed myself because it's like three or four in the afternoon. I don't have time to make one. I don't want to stay up till one in the morning. So I looked online, Googled. Is there a faster way to cook corned beef and cabbage? And it, I got an instant pot recipe that said it could be done in an hour and a half. I said, no way. But I've been hearing a lot about these instant pots. Let me get one. I'm sure I'll use it for other things as well. And so I bought it. I got the corned beef. I got all the ingredients. And I'm not kidding you. I had corned beef and cabbage in an hour and a half. And it was the best, tenderest, juiciest... Like it just, it's, it just came right off 
with a fork. It was that tender. And now I've used the Instant Pot for things like pot roast. Um, when I make Cuban sandwiches, I cook the pork butt in it. I use it. I, I, I make eggs in it. If I'm doing hard-boiled eggs, I put those in there. Depending on how many I'm making. If I'm only having two or three, I'll just put them on the stove. But like, if I'm doing like a, a dozen eggs to do some deviled eggs or something, I'll put them in there. What else have I cooked in it? All kinds of things. Between the air fryer and the Instant Pot, I feel like I can make pretty much anything now at home. But yeah, that's the way to do it. That'll make all the difference in the world. Give it a try. If you have an Instant Pot, if not, go get one. Make your corned beef and cabbage that way this year and tell me I wasn't right. One thing that I always recommend, when you buy the corned beef, of course, it's going to give you the the seasoning packet, the pickling packet, all that stuff. You want to you wanna make sure you definitely put that in the water. But also get yourself some yellow mustard, preferably French's. But get yourself some yellow mustard and squeeze that into the water or across the corned beef as you put it in. You don't want to use a whole bunch, just a decent squeeze. And then that will add some extra flavor to your corned beef. Some people want to put some beer in it as well. I did that one year. I put the beer in it, but I didn't like the beer as well in the Instant Pot. It's different when you're putting it into the boiling water because then it has a chance to kind of cook off. Some of the alcohol, I don't think it cooks off the alcohol as well, steaming it in the, in the, in the Instant Pot, which is really just a pressure cooker. So I would skip using the beer in that scenario, unless you want to like soak the meat in the beer overnight or something before you cook it. But just a little squirty yellow mustard is all you need with the packet that comes with it. And you will have a phenomenal corned beef, I promise you. The only way that you can overdo it is if you cook it longer than it tells you to, or I don't like to let it go on a natural steam release because that takes too long. See, the pressure cooker, the, the Instant Pot, there's two ways you can do the, the steam release at the end. You can either open the the valve, and you got to do so very carefully because it's hot steam coming out of there, and if you open it too much, the water will like boil and start shooting out of it. Or you can do a natural release, which is you just got to wait like 10, 20 minutes for it to come out. I don't like to do the natural release for the for the corned beef because it sits in there a little bit too long. So I do the manual release, but you got to be careful because you will start to get a lot of squirting out of it. So it still does take a few minutes to be able to get it all out that way. The other reason I do it that way is because I'm in a hurry. Like by the by the time that meat is done cooking and I can smell it, I can't wait to dive into it. And then I just take it out. I wrap it in some foil. You take all your potatoes, your cabbage, your carrots, onions, whatever else you're going to put in your your, your uh, corned beef and cabbage boiled dinner, whatever, and take all that and put it into the water, close the cover, and then that takes five minutes. I'm not kidding you. Five minutes to steam all that and, and to have that done to perfection. So all told, it's about, about an hour and a half to have a meal that some of you spend you know, eight hours cooking. So hopefully that saves you a little time, saves you a little effort. And then another recommendation that I would make, 
when you're done, save the water. Because if you don't end up eating all the corned beef and cabbage and potatoes and carrots and everything, if you don't use the leftovers to make a hash, which I always do, in fact, I usually buy two corned beefs, make one for my dinner, and then I save the other one to make just to, to have hash. And if you're not going to do that, you can take all the leftover stuff, all of it, cabbage, carrots, potatoes, meat, everything, put it right back into that water, just chop it all up small, and you have yourself a good Irish stew. Just uh, you want to reduce the reduce it a little bit, maybe thicken it up, thicken up the juice, thicken up the broth. You can you can use cornstarch and water, but if you can find this stuff, I don't know if they sell it in the stores. I had a box that I'd gotten online. It's called Thicken Up. It's what people use in restaurants. It's basically like that cornstarch and water slurry, already already in liquid form. You just pour it in. If you can find some of that, but anyway, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. If you want to argue with me about corned beef and cabbage. Or whatever else is on your mind. One of the things that I thought that we could talk about today is uh, you heard Kate mention it in the news, and and I wrote it yesterday. There was the incident in Bourne. So apparently on Monday night, a New York man pulled up to the Cape Cod Canal to one of the recreational area parking lots, the one on the Cape side. So, if you're coming from the Bourne Bridge heading toward the Sagamore Bridge, it's a little bit past the Gallo Ice Arena. There's like that overlook there. And there's a parking lot behind it where you can park your car. And I guess this gentleman had had parked his car there, parked his truck there. And he had his two dogs with him. His name was Matthew Chamberlain. And he parked there with his two dogs and he left. He walked away. Later on, the two dogs were found wet. Hanging around the truck with no sign of him. This was somebody reported to the Bourne police that these dogs were running around with nobody there with them. And they found the dogs. The dogs were wet. Nobody was with them at the truck. They... I, I'm assuming ran the plates because they were able to make contact with Matthew Chamberlain's family in New York. And they talked about how he had a history of depression and how he had been known to kind of disappear. So this the search started for him and they found him yesterday afternoon uh, along the riprap of the canal, which if you're not familiar with what that is, that is the... The, the the man-made barrier out of rock that keeps the the water from rising up too high onto land. So like those rocks that lead down to it, those were all placed there. That's riprap. That's where they found him. And this is the second time in a little over a week that they've had a death on the Cape Cod Canal. Um, I don't know the details of this. They didn't release the details of exactly what happened. But they did talk about mental health being part of this. And the same thing with the 32-year-old Wareham man who had apparently leapt from the Bourne Bridge on February 13th. 
Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. 11th. So this is something that I think is... It, 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 it's a plague, of course, dealing with mental health issues, but what can they do to make that area less desirable for people to come and, and end their lives? And I feel bad for the officers who... You know, I've had to respond to these calls, but I just, I don't know what else you can do at this point in time. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Tim, you talked about the uh, solution to make the juice a little thicker, what you call it? Thicken what? Oh, it's called thicken up. Thicken up? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how easily you can find it. Um, uh, it's something that I know that like restaurant you know, when you order from restaurant catalogs, you can get it. But I don't think it's something that they put on the shelves necessarily. I was going to go down to Sid Wayne to see if they might have it. They might. That would be a good place to check. Yeah. And uh, also, because I, I do the corned beef and cabbage and the whole nine yards, I put mine in a regular pot with water. But that be, I've been doing it for years that way. Sure. And that's that's kind of the traditional way to do it. But do you do you have an instant pot? No, I don't. All right. Well, if you had one, I would def- definitely recommend it. I mean, it's it's worth picking one up anyway, because you can get them for like thirty, thirty-five bucks. Well, would you suggest that I could be able to find that? Oh, everywhere: Walmart, Target, Ocean State Job Lot. So oh, okay. there's there's a variety of different pressure cookers, but Instant Pot has become like the name brand. Uh huh. And if you get that, then you go. Uh, are you online? Do you have the ability to Google recipes? Yeah, my wife's listening now. So then all you got to do is look up Instant Pot recipes. You'll find hundreds of them and so many different things that you can cook in there. I saw one the other day. My my cousin posted on Facebook. She made a, a it's a cheese, a cheese flan that she made. So it's like a cheesecake mixed with a flan that she made in the Instant Pot. Wow. So, yeah, you can do a lot of stuff in it. That sounds good. Okay, thank you very much. All right, if you do it, let me know how it turns out. I will, Tim. All right, take care. Yep, bye-bye. And, uh, yeah, it's it, I, I was amazed when I saw the, the picture of it, and I said, you made that in the Instant Pot? So I got to get that recipe from her because I think that's something that I definitely want to try. I don't know that I need to have a whole flan cheesecake combo thing in my house. I'll probably make it and bring it in here to the studio and everybody uh, into the station, and everybody can can have a piece. But it sounds amazing. And she said it was very easy. So, and that's what I'm looking for when it comes to cooking at home. I'm looking for easy. I spent enough time in my life cooking already that when I'm cooking for myself, I don't want to spend any time. And the other day, I and I like to put pictures of what I make up on social media for a couple of reasons. One, I think it gives people a break from all the other stuff that they have to see. Two, I get more reaction from people out of the stuff that I cook. You know, they start conversations with me about how they make things, and then I learn new ideas and new tips and tricks. And three, kind of selfishly, those posts get a lot of engagement, which means more people see my posts, which means when I'm actually promoting things that I want them to read, like I'm having this guest on the show. This is what we're doing on Spooky South Coast. I'm selling tickets to this event. Then it kind of keeps me up in their newsfeed. But the other day I posted up, some chicken tikka masala that I made at home. And everybody's like, how do you make that at home? That's that's amazing. I've, I've never been able to make Indian food at home. And it's like, it's really easy. Just bought some chicken, cooked that up, 
you know, some you can get chicken breasts, you can get chicken thighs, you can get chicken boneless chicken tenders, you know, the ones that are unbreaded. Uh, you know, just cook up the chicken, get a couple jars of tikka masala sauce, pour that into the pan, let that simmer. It's a simmer sauce, so let that simmer. And then get one of those things of basmati rice that you cook in the microwave in 90 seconds. And, uh, and, and the naan, it comes in a package already. I just put it in the toaster or if I... You know, if I have an empty frying pan, I like to spritz it with water and just fry each side of it really quick. That's the right way to do it. And there you go. Indian food at home. And it cost me 15 bucks and took me 10 minutes. 508-996-0500. You're next on WBSM. Sounds yummy, Tim. It is. Do you like, do you like Indian food? <laughs> Anyways, I like to eat, too, and I like to cook. But when I'm in the mood, yeah. if, I'm not, if I'm not in the mood, I'm, I, I do it real good when I'm in the mood. No, I'm the same way. So, if I want to do it, I'll do it. But if most of the time, I'm just going to be lazy and make it make it as fast as I can. I do my corned beef the old-fashioned way, but my mother always used to pressure cook, and she slammed in the kitchen. And I was always afraid of it because she had that one with the heavy metal thing that, you know. Oh, yeah. It's, I, a, it's a scary device if you don't know how to use it properly. I don't want to. I don't want to even mess with it. So anyway, um, what was I going to tell you now? It was something about COVID. I'm a little confused over the COVID. Last night I heard um, on, no on um, the news today from Miss Robinson that um, uh, on the Cardiology Journal or something had a thing on COVID that it can the shot is good for you, and yeah. then I heard. That it's not. And that lady that you had on the other day said yes. And then I heard um, something else on the news when I think uh, Phil Devin was, I know it was on your station, and they said um, that it's um, doing something to the calcium in the, in the, the heart. The regulation of the calcium, it's affecting it. And it's um, the Columbia University study. So from, and again, I'll just rehash what the doctor said yesterday and what I've been hearing from, from other doctors, but that they're now concerned about the way that COVID, this new strain of COVID is attacking the heart. So the, the latest strain of it, the latest variant of it is causing people to have cardiac issues or accelerating them if they already have them. And, and that's part of it. It's, it's disrupting the way that the heart functions. And so the that's why the doctors are coming on and and saying like we're really advocating that people get the vaccine because you don't want to get covid especially too many times if it's going to be having the you know if you if you get it once and your heart's in pretty good health you're probably going to be okay it's probably not going to do that much damage but uh, some people have had it multiple times and it's just going to keep uh, furthering that damage to your heart so uh, as and they're also trying to counter the misinformation that's out there that the vaccine is somehow damaging people's hearts that's something that has come up amongst the conspiracy theorists because a small portion of people who have taken the vaccine have had heart related issues uh after the fact but as with anything you're going to have that happen i mean there's there, i guarantee you there's somebody that took the covid vaccine and within 24 hours died it doesn't mean that they died from the vaccine it doesn't mean that or maybe there was something in the vaccine that wasn't they weren't aware that they couldn't take. I mean, that stuff happens all the time, but it's not a large enough portion of it for it to be the norm that people should expect if they take it. There's always going to be those those things that happen, unfortunately, with any any vaccination or any medication. That's why they warn you about all the side effects when you take one. 
I'm not taking it, though, Tim, nothing. I don't take the flu shot. I haven't had it in 15 years. I shouldn't even be saying it, but I, um, because I might jinx myself. I, um, I, don't, I don't usually take, take the flu shot either. I don't take anything. I just don't want it. I had, I had COVID in June, and I just it went through, I just, you know, I was tired and sleepy, and then I went through a box of tissues, and I had the fever, but it broke. At first, I took Tylenol. I don't, um, I don't, um, I don't want anything that's not hasn't been studied long enough. I am, that, I mean, that's that's uh, also a bit of misinformation. The, these vaccines were built on a template for vaccines that's been around for a long, long time. So basically, what they did is they created this this template for uh, anytime they have a virus, they can get the specific. DNA of that virus, the specific way that that virus is comprised, figure out what they need to attack it, and then they just add it into this template. See, the, the, the problem is, is that people don't really know what a coronavirus is. It's a very common type of virus. So they've been fighting coronaviruses for different years, for, for many years. So it's just a matter of finding the differences of this one and being able to apply that. So the, the technology within the vaccine has been around for a long time and has been tested and has been put through uh, rigorous trials. It was the putting in the information that they needed to combat the specific strain that didn't have as much um, as much study. But it obviously, you know, it had to be um, pushed out as quickly as they could. But I, I would recommend that if, you know, if you got it one time and, you know, you feel okay, fine. But uh, if you started to get it again and again and again, if you had it three or four times, as, as some people I know have had it, then I would probably look into maybe getting the vaccine because each time you have it, it's wearing you down. So you want to make sure that as you're having it repeated times that you are protecting yourself as much as you can from the way that it will attack you. Yeah, but Tim, also, it's not only it's but it's not only wearing you down, you're building an immunity to it. Well, that's what I'm saying. If if you if you're having it three or four times, four or five times, you're not building an immunity to it. That means no. that no. How would you be building an immunity to it if you keep getting it? Because there's different strains. No, I would say I would say that if you are getting it repeatedly, and if each time it's making you feel worse, I should probably qualify it with that too. Then you should you know look into getting it. If you get it like you get a cold, and you're over it in a couple of days, and you don't feel any worse for the wear, you're probably okay. Yeah, I only got it once, so uh, I'm just going to just go with my gut instinct. Okay, have a great day. I'll be listening. You as well. I mean, and I'm I'm talking, you know, specifically too for any kind of virus. Like if you if you are pro, if you don't get the flu, I don't get the flu. I never get the flu. You know, knock on for Mike. I never get the the flu, so I don't get a flu shot. I don't see the need to. Because, you know, the COVID vaccine doesn't put COVID into your body. The flu vaccine does. And I don't see a need to expose myself to the flu virus if I don't contract it. Every once in a while, I might get something that, like, knocks me out for a day. But, um, you know, I don't get these prolonged bouts of the flu. So I don't bother to take the flu shot. But if you are somebody who gets the flu every year, and if it, if it, if it really impacts you, then you should get one because if it's going to make it so it's less less burdensome on you to have it, then do it. And again, the flu shot doesn't stop you from getting the flu. It just means that if you get it, you're hopefully built up that immunity to it. It gives you that little boost of immunity toward it. I mean, my problem I have to worry about, I have to worry more about colds. 
because colds have a tendency to rob me of my voice. I'll feel fine. I won't have any real major problems, but that cough will eventually take away my voice and then it'll take a week to be able to get it back. Or more sometimes. So uh, I, listen, I think that there's probably a lot of people out there who, you know, I, I don't, I, again, I don't want to curse myself here, but I've, I've been exposed to COVID a whole bunch and I haven't come down with it yet. So there's probably people like me who could say, I, I don't think I'm going to take the vaccine because I, I don't need to. I haven't, I've been exposed to it multiple times. I tried to get it. I couldn't get it. But if you're in that position, you know, I've, I've taken two, I, I had the Johnson and Johnson at first because that's what they were offering the day that I went. And then I had a booster and I should probably go get another booster, but I haven't yet just because I need to make that time in my schedule to have the day after it where I'm probably going to be laid out. But I think at this point, we've reached the point where people who are going to be vaccinated are people who aren't, aren't going to suddenly decide to, but keep an eye on what they're talking about with the way that this new strain of COVID is attacking the heart, because that is something that it doesn't matter if you feel the, the symptoms, you're not going to know that that's happening. And that's what I think is the, the worrisome part about that. And that's why the doctor, you know, was talking about it yesterday, mentioning that, and that's why it's in the news because they want to make people aware of it because it is something that you're not going to realize is happening until it's too late. Well, I shouldn't say too late, but until you have complications from that. I mean, I don't think it's you don't find out about it till after you've, you know, had a major heart attack from it. But when you start to feel some of those cardiac signs that we discussed yesterday and you don't know why because... You shouldn't, you know, you're living a life that shouldn't have those factors. Anyway, I got to take a break. 508 996 0500. We'll be back in a few moments. After the big gun. First of all, I love the Buckinghams, but secondly, this is an interesting fact that I found out this week. Dumb trivia that I have to share with you. But the lead singer of the Buckinghams, Dennis Tufano, who you heard singing there, he was the singer in the Family Ties theme song. And I'm sure you remember the Family Ties theme song. Uh, first of all, it was one of the most popular shows of the 80s, and it launched the career of Michael J. Fox. And it, it sounded something like this. Oh, 
That's Dennis Tufano there. So you're probably wondering, well, then who is the female voice in the song, right? So the female voice I found out this week is actually actress Mindy Sterling, who you probably know as Frau Farbissena from the Austin Powers movies. You know, the little German lady that uh, works with Dr. Evil? She's the person who sang that theme song with uh, with Dennis Stefano. And uh, now she's on the Goldberg. She plays uh, Jeff Schwartz's mother. I think I forget her name. Uh, but uh, it's 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 kind of funny. I had no idea that that she sang that song. There you go. See, you never know what you're going to find when you're going down that Internet rabbit hole. Uh, also, Little Devil in New Bedford says, Chicken tikka masala is not an Indian dish. It originated in Scotland. No, it is an Indian dish. It was created by Indian um, people living in Great Britain. So it was Indian cooks that created it. And it's probably my favorite thing to have at an Indian restaurant. And it's one of the things that I will judge most places on. Um, no, you know what? You know what? I think it's probably not. I think tandoori chicken is probably my favorite. Uh, at one point I was all in on getting a tandoori oven to put in my backyard, but they were, they're pretty expensive. Even the little small one was like 300 bucks. And I said, are we going to use, are we going to make tandoori chicken enough to have that? But yeah, Indian food is delicious, but Indian food also doesn't work for everybody. Some people, it upsets their stomach. Some people, uh, it sends them to the bathroom. And when I when Phil just came into the studio and handed me this story, I felt like maybe I had to run to the restroom because he says, this is from CNN, Starbucks wants, to give you all, wants you to give olive oil coffee a shot. Starbucks is rolling out a new line of beverages made with extra virgin olive oil. Each one is made with a spoonful of oil, adding 120 calories to the total. And with some drinks, you can see a slippery sheen of oil in the cup. Three olive oil beverages are available for sale at Starbucks cafes in Italy starting this week. It includes Oleato, Starbucks word for the new line, and its name. Well, yeah, Oleo is the, but still gross. <laughs> Oleo latte with oat milk and olive oil. Oleato ice shake and espresso with oat milk, hazelnut flavor, and olive oil. Oh, and olive oil. And the Oleato golden foam cold brew made with a version of Starbucks sweet milk foam infused with two olive oil servings. The drinks will arrive in Southern California this spring with more details about the U.S. launch to come. Mm -mm, I don't know. Kind of getting a stomach ache just thinking about that. But I, I, I guess it's good for you. I'm not a huge olive oil fan. I, I like it for certain dishes. I don't like it in everything. If I have to use, I try not to use oil if I don't have to. Uh, if I have a non-stick pan, if I'm worried about something sticking to it, I'll use a little like vegetable oil spray. But I try not to add extra oil to my cooking. I don't add any extra salt. Just I don't like tasting those things in my food. I like going out to like, if you go to a restaurant, they give you a little bread with olive oil. That's cool. But I've never looked at that and said, I think I want to put some of that in my coffee. 
I also I wish I wish more restaurants were like uh, in Bermuda. If you go to Bermuda, the 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 um, national dish there is fish stew. It's a Bermudan fish stew, and when you order it, they bring to your table a little, you know, like a little carry thing that has a couple of bottles on it. Carry thing. That's the that's the term I could come up with. But it has two bottles in it. One is a cherry pepper sauce, which is really good to add into it. And the other is a bottle of rum. And you can just add as much rum as you want into your stew as you're having it. And if that's if they could put that on the, on the table, put that in some of the Starbucks coffees, I'd be all for it. But olive oil, no. I think I'm going to have to pass on that. I don't know that I will uh, even try that. But we've got a Starbucks in New Bedford now. There's one in Dartmouth. There's one in Wareham. If the olive oil coffees come to come to the South Coast, are you going to try one? I am going to uh, going to skip that one. <sighs> anyway, 508-996-0500. Got to take another break. We'll be back in a few moments. 1420 WB. decided to uh, app chat in and call me smarty pants and tell me I'm not always right about everything and that I should Google things. First of all, if you're going to correct me, try to use the proper version of your in your app chat message. Secondly, as I said, it was created by Indian people. Tikka Masala was created by Indian people living in Scotland. So you don't have to have it created in the country for it to be considered cuisine. Ask people if they consider pizza to be an Italian food. It's made in America. Actually, it's not even an Italian food anymore because so many other cultures have started making it. But if Indian people made the dish, it's Indian cuisine. Doesn't matter where they were living. Maybe you should go tell that to all the Indian restaurants that have it on the menu, which is every single one of them. Google that. 508-996-0500. We're going to take a break here. I have to take one final break for this hour. When we come back in the next hour, we can talk more with you. And then coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, it'll be midweek with the mayor. New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell will be here to talk with us about a variety of things going on in the city. I'm going to assume we're going to spend a good, good amount of time talking about the um, amendments he proposed for the salary reclassifications that Meeting is happening tomorrow night of the city council. It should be on the agenda. The agenda is posted. I haven't taken a look at it yet. I'll take a look at it during the break. Uh, but we are expecting, of course, that the mayor will have a lot to say about that. They, the city actually put out a press release yesterday regarding the request to put the 10% pay raise on hold, uh, the 10% pay cut for people 
who don't live in the city to be put on hold. So we can talk with him more about that. And of course, we'll take your calls with the mayor at 508-996-0500. We'll be back in a few moments. If you want to hear everything. 